You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 Network. You're listening to episode 288, and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. When not playing basketball, John Nunemaker is a programmer owner at Box Out Sports and Fewer and Faster. He worked at GitHub for seven years in the darkest corner of their code, measuring things and making things go fast. He ended up at GitHub because he helped build pretty things at Ordered List, GitHub's first acquisition, and wrote his heart out at Rails Tips. I invited John onto the show today because I've admired his work in open source, especially some very well-loved gems. It's great to have you, John. Yeah, great to be on. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. So, John, what is your developer origin story? Yeah. Um, what it, Basically, the way it started is I always enjoyed math and stuff like that in high school, going way back. <laughs> um, and when I went to college, I just started, I kind of assumed like there was some computer stuff going on. So this was 2000 to 2004. And, you know, a lot of stuff was, was happening that seemed exciting. And I thought, oh, I'll learn programming. Um, so I took some programming classes. The first one, I think, was Visual Basic. And I, I did well in the class, didn't really feel like I learned anything. And then I took another class the next semester that was C. And the teacher was, in my, in my opinion, back then, it was hardcore. So it was like we were on Linux. We learned how to compile. We were doing you know, C and, and even some Perl, I think also. And I remember right out of the gate struggling big time. Um, I basically had not, I basically had not learned how to program in the first class. And so I, I spent every office hours for the entire semester and pulled my grade from like an F, which I had never had in my entire life, uh, about three weeks into I think I ended up with like a B minus. So ended up kind of getting the hang of it and and progressing. And then my senior year, um, it would have been the end of my junior year, they had this midterm class where you could take one class the, for an entire month and that was all you did. So it was like really intensive, like three or four hours a day. And I took a web and like Photoshop class and absolutely fell in love because it took the stuff that was cool programming. Like I enjoyed making Gregorian calendars and things like that. But being able to put it on the internet and then, you know, instantly like have my mom see it was kind of next level. And so I think that's from then on, basically, I've been hooked on the web. So the next semester I took uh, independent study in PHP and MySQL, built a little bed and breakfast website and and then kind of fell into my first job and then fell into uh, like my second job, small consultancies and stuff like that, just cranking out websites. Um, and then I think from there, uh, I ended up at at Notre Dame and got to University of Notre Dame, got to learn a lot of really good things and work around a great team and met eventually who would become kind of my co-founder at Ordered List, um, Steve Smith. And uh, the two of us hit it off. He was kind of front end, I was kind of back end and we both enjoyed our, our, our parts. And so I ended up leaving Notre Dame and joining him. And then uh, the, the rest of it, you kind of already mentioned where we went to build some stuff and eventually ended up at, at GitHub. So I think that's kind of where it started for me. So it was basically like 2003, 2004, I kind of got into some web stuff, absolutely loved it and did nothing. I mean, my entire twenties were like way too much time with PHP, MySQL, and then eventually into like Ruby and Rails and stuff like that. Was ordered list build in Ruby and Ruby on Rails? Yeah, um, so we, when, 
he, when Steve and I were still at Notre Dame, we built a content management system uh, that we called Conductor because Conductor had an ND in it and it was conducting websites. We were uh, very smart. That was when all the names, we probably took all, all the vowels out because that was when, you know, Flickr and all those didn't have, have vowels. So that was probably, it probably didn't have vowels either. But, uh, and basically we were like, we're going to build this in Rails. It's going to be awesome. And like, I remember Notre Dame was very against, at that time, uh, against uh, new technologies. And so we kind of just did it. We like paid for it out of our, our department's uh, funds instead of using like general IT and stuff like that. And it was all on Rails. And then when I joined Ordered List, uh, the, I mean, we were consultants basically, but the uh, Ordered List Inc. Uh, but, but what we did right away is we, we knew long-term we wanted to be in products. And so we started Harmony, which was basically like we rebuilt Conductor from the ground up um, as a way to make it faster for us to ship websites for clients, basically. Um, and so that's kind of, yeah, so it was all, all Ruby and Rails stuff. So Awesome. Well, the next question I have for you is really kind of a two-parter. So first of all, I'd love to hear about Box Out Sports. What is that? Yeah, so Box Out Sports, um, I just joined in January. And what that is, is it's basically uh, we help mostly college sports and now uh, kind of delving into high school as well with their social media presence. And so basically any kind of infographic um, or game update, you know, end of half, end of quarter, player of the game, um, interesting stats, quotes, all the kind of stuff that if you are on Instagram a lot, um, you'll see it all over ESPN, Bleach Report, those kinds of things. Um, infographics are just huge on Facebook and Instagram right now. So um, the company started maybe five years ago, and it's again with uh, Steve Smith and then with uh, two other guys, um, Robbie Lightfoot and uh, Jeff Myers. Neither of them are uh, programmers, um, but uh, the four of us are, are all in it now. And basically, they they started it maybe three or four years ago, and I just joined, um, and it's going really well. Um, a lot of um, good saturation in college, uh, so a lot of college sports use us for just updating on here's here's how all their games are going for all their teams volleyball you know men's and women's uh, football soccer basketball baseball softball everything that you can kind of imagine we have uh, different graphic packages for and it's really similar I always I talk to Steve about it how similar it is to Harmony because Harmony was basically this like template and data system where a developer would like create this t- template and then that from that template, we derived like a pretty form to show a content person. So they didn't have to worry about HTML and CSS and where things would go and just made it really easy for them to put it in. And this infographics thing is the exact same thing. It's basically like this template system where a developer, uh, primarily Jeff at BoxOut will create these templates and they have like, what's what are the data inputs that we need? And then when a uh, sports information director or uh, someone who's in athletics or a student worker who's at a game is doing an update, they don't have to think about like, what's our branding look like? Does this, is this designed well or any of that kind of stuff? They have these stock templates. They just fill in the data and then they get beautiful graphics to share. It's just a, a really simple way to like, you know, define templates and end up with, with JPEGs and PNGs and actually uses Electron on the back end for some of the rendering and stuff like that, which is kind of cool too. Oh, that's very cool. So tell me about Fewer and Faster. Yes, so I was at GitHub and Fewer and Faster has been a motto of mine for my, I mean, most of my development career. At some point when I knew enough to start having to actually make things go faster and it wasn't just about making things work, 
um, I just realized that it was it was all about doing something less often or making the thing that happens faster than it was before. And so fear and faster just kind of became a motto. Um, every place I've worked, I've kind of uh, you know evangelized that. And so when I was still at GitHub, I'm just more of a small company, three or four, five, you know, less than fewer than twenty people, kind of person. I just like small companies where you're heavily involved in everything and you can have a large impact. And so I just, I knew I wanted to leave GitHub. I just wasn't sure about when, and, and I wouldn't want to just leave cold into to something else. So I thought, well, I'll start up a side project because GitHub's very cool about that with employees. And so uh, fewer and faster was that. And uh, the first thing that we started kind of hacking on, my, one of my friends and I was basically like a cloud version for Flipper. Um, and so that's kind of where that came from. And then uh, turned out that uh, around that time, which obviously we didn't know it, but um, I had made some proposals. GitHub owned Speaker Deck. Speaker Deck was originally owned by Ordered List, our company. We made it, um, you know, eight, nine years ago. And GitHub bought it. They, they tried to do some stuff with it and then kind of didn't. And so it kind of just sat there. And I was like, hey, why don't I buy it back? And they were like, really cool about it. And they were like, okay. And so it took a while to get it done. And then uh, when all the Microsoft uh, stuff came through all of a sudden just like out of the blue they're like hey we need to sell it to you by friday and i was like oh that's weird <laughs> um and so we we were like i was like cool we'll we'll take it and so we took it and then obviously the next like that weekend all the news broke and i was like oh that makes a lot of sense okay um but it was really cool of them to 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 do that to give it back to the founders and so uh that just i needed a place for it to go so it went into the fewer faster i already had that company set up so i just kind of dropped it in there. So we have Speaker Deck and we have this Flipper Cloud thing. Um, Speaker Deck's just kind of chugging along. Uh, it's kind of breaking even. And so it just kind of is out there for the community. And then hopefully that, you know, something better can happen with it in the future. Um, and then uh, Flipper Cloud is only being used by us, basically. Um, it's, you know, three or four different applications that are using it, um, mostly because there's a few things we feel like we still need before we want, want more people in, so. Yeah, so you touched uh, upon this a lot and something I want to loop around to is that you've placed a large part of your career, I feel like, in the Ruby and Rails territory. So why is that? I love it. I just have, I mean, for a long, long time, I have loved it. Um, there's actually, I don't know if it's still there anymore. At one time, uh, I made it onto the Rails, uh, it was called the weblog then. It wasn't a blog back then. So this is, uh, you know, like I'm letting out my gray beard and, and everything like that. But I posted an article about trying out, at that time my website was like addicted to new or something like that. And I was, I loved all kinds of new stuff. And I loved it. And I wrote this post where I talked about how like I started doing rails and giggles and snorts ensued. And evidently it, you know, struck DHH as funny. And uh, so I ended up on the on the weblog where he was quoting me about my giggles and snorts. And um, ever since then, I mean, that was probably 2005, 2006. It's just it just really clicked. I think Ruby clicked because from an aesthetic standpoint, it you could write code that felt like you were not quite, but like you were talking. Um, it just felt like a conversation. And it felt simple. It didn't feel like there was extra ceremony or any anything beyond like here's what I want this to do right now it just it just went quick I, my history was uh you know PHP which aesthetically is not it I mean even when I was writing it I didn't find it pleasing um and then 
also like Cold Fusion and Java, you know, several languages like that. And then, yep, you know, C, lower level ones, where it just takes more time to get anything done. And so I think Ruby on Rails, just well, Ruby specifically, uh, is what I kind of fell in love with, but through Rails. So I started with Rails and then I realized, oh, there's actually a language underneath. Um, and that's Ruby. And so, and, and from there, I just, I, once I got, I had, you know, I'm all about solving problems, not about the code necessarily. And so it just became, you know, when you do something for a long time, you just know right where to reach in your tool belt to get something done. And so it was just the fastest way to get things done. So I just kept reaching for it. And I've tried several other things since uh, Go, uh, you know, obviously Node. I, I did a lot of JavaScript at when we were at Ordered List um, before Node was kind of like real popular and Node. Um, so client-side JavaScript and stuff like that. Um, but the thing I just have always come back to is, is Ruby and Rails. And, and, you know, a lot of people have problems with like, oh, it doesn't scale and all these things. But I've worked on applications doing, you know, over a million requests a minute and 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 on, you know, GitHub.com, which does a ton of traffic and it's fine. So that's just never been an issue. So I've just always went back to it because I knew it. I thought it was beautiful and enjoyable. And, you know, it it was fast enough. It was always fast enough that it wasn't a problem. So. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, we're lucky as a community that we still have you. And, you know, I feel that both the Ruby and Rails community are moving in very positive directions. And it's people like that you that really keep the uh, the community thriving. So thank you. So, so as I mentioned in the show opener, I'm eager to talk about the gems you have created and may currently maintain. So first off, HTTP party, since quoting from the repository, ain't no party like an HTTP party because an HTTP party don't stop. So I basically do not know a Ruby developer who doesn't actively use this gem. I'd love to hear the story behind it. That was basically a long, it was probably 2006 or so. Um, I just, I, I loved APIs. Um, I just, the fact that like people could expose data and I could pull it in and use it and mash it together and do interesting things. It was just, it was really interesting to me. And so it basically came from like what's now kind of a stock move for me, which is like write something once, write something twice. When you go the third time, extract it into some common thing so you're not rewriting it all the time. And so I wrote, um, there was a long time ago, may it rest in peace, uh, a link service called Magnolia. And um, you could, you know, it's just de like Delicious, which came after it, and uh, Pinboard, which is kind of now the the one that I feel like I use and a lot of people use, just for saving links. And I, I thought it was cool. And they had an API and they did it in Rails and Jeffrey Zeldman's company, like uh, he was like a web standards person who really pushed that and uh, had a big influence on my web development side a long time ago. His company kind of like, I think did the design maybe of a version or something like that. And I just thought it was so cool that you could, you could hit the API and like I could show my own links in like terminal or wherever. And so I wrote like a, you know, net HTTP stuff to, to get it done. And it was so uh, difficult. Like it was just your, your maps with net HTTP, your maps so close to like, the protocol and all these things and, and other libraries before it, uh, it just didn't feel easy. It, like I had, I could not remember how to do a get request every single time I had to like, just to like get a single URL, no params, no options, no anything. 
And then every time I had to keep writing, like all I wanted was just something that would take whatever the the API was returning and bring, give me a, just give me a hash. I, I don't care if it's performant or any of this. I just want a hash. So that's kind of, I, I, I did the Magnolia one and then I did, did a Twitter one and then I did um, oh, a couple of other ones. I don't even remember anymore. And I just noticed the same pattern, which was like, you know, you want to make this get request and then you want to parse it into something where eventually you're just you're dealing in ruby you're back into ruby land you want to get out of this http and protocol and response types and all these things and back just into ruby land where you can do what you want to do with it and so that's where it came from and i called it i mean it was this incredibly naming is so hard it was incredibly boring i think i called it like http client or something like that i mean it was a terrible name and i never released a gem before i don't think i mean maybe like one gem somewhere, I don't know. And I was like, okay, I, I'm gonna release this. But it was like 2 a.m. because I was I was young and dumb, so I stayed up till 2, 3 a.m. all the time hacking. You know, my wife would go to bed and I'd stay up hacking and then go to bed later and sleep in. It was pre-kids, so I wasn't up at six or seven every day. And I was like, okay, I, you know, I think this is good. I think people are gonna like this. I'm gonna release it as a gem. But I was like, the name is terrible. So I'm just going to go to bed and I'm just going to like see if anything comes to me. So I went to bed and I, I literally, I can't remember if I woke up or if I thought of it before I fell asleep or if I thought of it when I woke up, but I was like, HTT party is hilarious. And so I was like, that's actually fun to type. And it was right around the time where um, I was, it was out of Notre Dame, but there was a time at Notre Dame uh, where I was like very anti the, the central authority for like technology because they didn't like Ruby on Rails and it was obviously my passion. And so I remember like making my my password like OIT sucks or something like something very negative. And I was unhappy every time I typed it. And I was like, this is terrible. Like I feel unhappy every time I type this. Why am I doing this? And I was like, I wonder if the opposite's true. So then I made it like I for like a long time, it was like some incantation of like Rails is awesome. And and then I felt happy every time. And so I was like, the name can evoke emotion and so if you pick this lame boring name then probably people are going to feel lame and boring when they do it and so if you pick this happy name then maybe people will feel happy when they use it and so all i could think was like a party and it, and p it was at the end of http so http party just like you know and for like one second it was like http party uh and then i was like no that's too many p's i'm just gonna like slap them together like this kind of mm -hmm. amalgamation and uh that's, I mean, that's where it came from. And then when I was, when I was about to release it and, and you know, an ain't no party, like a West coast party, like I, I, or like an HTD party, like that was a, a long time. I still sometimes, but I had rap roots for some, I mean, I'm like Midwest bore. I'm, there's no reason for me to like rap and I always get made fun of for it, but I've kind of always been a little bit of a rap fan. And so I was like, I'm going to steal from like Coolio. I think it was like Coolio who had like ain't no party, like a West coast party. And, uh, I was like, okay, I'll just steal from Coolio. And then it, I realized you could do this post install message. And I was like, oh, even cooler. And so then there was this one you know, thing like when you party, you must party hard from, I can't remember who the guy's name is anymore. And so I was like, oh, well, I mean, I have to take advantage of that so that I can you know, force this happiness and joke on everyone. And uh, so that's, that's kind of where the name and all that came from. It just, I don't know, I went to bed late one night and woke up with a silly idea. 
Well, what's so great about that is it was one of the first gems that I ever installed. And so, you know, someone who's a new developer installing this into their console, not only is excited when the gem, you know, properly installs, but to get that after install hook and then to even have an emoji print with it was like really exciting. And it always even amuses me when I'm running my tests because that after install hook <laughs> runs with my tests, you know, when I'm running it in CI. And so I, I'm curious, like, has the community been excited about that post install hook? I thought this was, this is a, a fabulous question. Um, and because on one hand, if you just look at the HTD party issues, if you like scroll through them, then you'll get the sense that I am like a dictator and I'm imposing my uh, will of HTD partying on everyone. Um, that's that's like the vibe you get from the GitHub issues. But the thing that keeps me like happy and not worried about it is um, is stories like yours. And those happen a lot. Like, I mean, every time, I, don't, I haven't really went to a conference in a while, but like when I used to go to conferences, every conference I would get five, 10, 20 people who were like, oh my gosh, that install message has made my day. And like, every time I see it, I'm happy. And I'm like, that's, you know, that's why I did it. But even beyond that, I mean, I can still search, you know, Twitter for HTTP party. And I mean, I haven't in a while, but up until, you know, even in the last like year, like six months ago, I searched and like, almost every week somebody quotes that and and tweets it and it made their day and so i'm like you know i get one or two issues maybe like four or five now in all where people are are not very happy with what i've done uh they're and there's and they get creative they get very creative with like you know like ending the party or all these kinds of things and um and i feel bad because i i genuinely like i don't mean to bring anyone down but so many people have been uplifted by it that until that balance gets even, you know, 90-10 or something like that, like, I'm not even going to think about removing it. Like, it would have to get far more, like right now, I mean, it's like 99% to one or even less uh, overwhelmingly positive. So, and it even kind of led to like on Flipper, they always do, you know, with this, with apps, you always have this blank slate. And I was like a huge Taylor Swift fan for a while. And so she has a song, you know, blank, blank slate baby or some blank something baby. I don't remember now what it is. And so the, the flipper UI actually uses that. Like if you don't have any features added, it, it just embeds the YouTube video of that. And that caused controversy pretty quick. They're like, you know, I go to show this to my clients and there's Taylor Swift right there and they think this isn't for real. And so we literally just like maybe in the last month or two, we added, uh, you can disable fun mode. So if you like do Twitter UI config, dot fun equals false, then Taylor goes away. So she doesn't appear anymore. And if I if I could, you know, do that for HTTP party, if, if you want to explicitly not receive fun, you know, then then I would I would do that there too. But for post install it's a little more more tricky. But there are ways to bundle quiet and stuff like that um, that most people use. And someone forked it and they made like I don't remember what it's called, but it's like HTTP not a party or like something like that that just all it is is it just is a fork that like stays in line and removes the the thing so there's other options out there well you know you've hit it big when someone forks your gem just to to kill the fun from it but (laughs) i enjoyed the positivity of it and i definitely want to discuss more about twitter after our sponsor break this episode of the 5x5 Ruby on Rails podcast is sponsored by Heffler & Co. A good font is one of the best ways to make your project stand apart. At typography.com, you'll find the work of Heffler & Co., creators of stylish and high-performance typefaces. 
Their fonts are used by organizations like NPR, cultural institutions like the Guggenheim Museum, and by the people we love, like the Office of Barack and Michelle Obama. And now you can use their fonts too. H&Co's well-curated library and one-stop licensing options makes choosing the right fonts simple so you can spend less time looking for fonts and more time using them. Agent Co. has been designing typefaces for over 30 years and knows how to help designers avoid the pitfalls of using a less than perfect font. At typography.com, you'll find lots of options, all of them good. Every font family is built to the same high standard and is designed to have everything you need and nothing you don't. You'll find fonts that have well-thought-out families with great language support and even the most obscure characters, plus tons of tips, tricks, and inspiration to help you get the most out of type. Whether you're designing a website, an app, or an entire identity, H&Co makes it easy to choose the perfect typeface from their library of over 1,500 fonts, including classics like Gotham and Knockout and new favorites like Isotope and Operator. The Ruby on Rails' own logo uses their Whitney and Archer fonts. You can try the whole Heffler & Co. font library right in the browser at typography.com. And now for a limited time, as a Ruby on Rails listener, you'll receive 10% off your next purchase from H&Co. Use code RUBY for your discount at checkout. Thank you, Heffler & Co. for sponsoring the show. Moving on to another favorite gem of mine, which is Flipper. Flipper is a performant and simple feature flipper for Ruby. At the Trust, I use it to prevent third-party services from executing when we don't have a need for them. What gave you the idea to build Flipper? I was working on, I was at Ordered List. We were consulting for Words of Friends. Uh, it's a popular Facebook, iOS, etc., cetera, uh, Scrabble-ish type game. And it was at epic scale at the time. And um, one of the problems that we had, I, I, I was releasing a, basically all I did was write cache for like a year. I just wrote memcache stuff. And I was writing a new thing. I think it was uh, for caching like the last move in the game because that was an, an often accessed thing uh, API wise. Um, and I guess I've always had a thing for names. So I called it hot moves. And uh, at some point, like we ended up with like night moves and all these other fun things. But um for hot moves i deployed it and the whole site went down and i was like okay well that's not good so i uh deployed you know master back and i was like well how do I, how am i going to get this out so we we like all put our heads together and we were like okay what we need to do is we need to roll this out slowly um and at the time um james uh Golick or golik uh had released a gem called rollout i think um and so we were like okay we'll use rollout now rollout was tied to redis so you could only use it with Redis, but we happened to use Redis extensively. So we we're like, that's fine. Um, so we used rollout and we did a percentage of, of users and we rolled out the new cache over time. And that allowed the caches to kind of warm. And instead of going this hard switch of like using the old cache, boom, using the new cache. We went from kind of slowly over the course of like several hours of warming that cache up. And so I was like, this is amazing. And so I kept using rollout, but the thing that always drove me nuts is like, uh, it was tied to Redis. And I just always saw, nothing against Redis, Redis is amazing. Um, but I just, I always have trusted MySQL far more than any other database because I've just watched it fail in, in so many different ways that, that I know that I, it's like the more I see something fail, the more I trust it. It's this inverted thing. But for some reason, when I know how something's going to go, go wrong, then I'm not as afraid. It's, it's when you don't know that you have to be afraid. And it just always ran into more like don't knows with Redis. And so I was like, I want to, I want something that's not tied to Redis. And so at the time I had been, when, when we were at Working on Words of Friends, we were pushing the limits kind of of the of the data storage layer, and we were like, "This is 
pretty rough. We want to try out like some of the newer databases and newer data stores and stuff like that. So we started working on like, well, what if we could like abstract our data storage so that we can just swap out backends? Like everybody has this brilliant idea at some point. And so I built this thing called Toy Store, which was basically a direct clone of Data Mapper, but built on uh, this adapter pattern. So it was like, if you could like get for a key and you know set for a key and some of these other things, then you could just use any any adapter that you wanted and get all the active record type things, uh, save maybe the query language, um, but validations and all those things. This is kind of preactive model and stuff like that. Um, and then, so that, that made me realize how powerful the adapter pattern was because, I mean, we could like, at the time, I think we tried out like React and we tried out like all these, and we even built like automatic, uh, basically like write through caching, you know, memcache to MySQL and all this other stuff that was in, in the actual kind of like toy store and the data layer. We never ended up shipping any of that stuff, but I, but I saw kind of the power of it. And so then it just kind of clicked that I was like, this would be really awesome at uh, for, for uh, rolling things out slowly because that was starting to become like a thing that people did a lot. This is probably maybe like, I don't know, 2012 or 13. I was at GitHub, but I was working on, I don't even remember at the time, working on something else. And, but I, but I knew the way GitHub released everything at the time was basically, um, static code. And so it involved the deploy. So every time we wanted to release things, we had to deploy. And that was just starting to be, it was starting to be a problem because we started having like these huge, like deploy lines basically. And so I was like, well, what if I can make a way that people could get their code out faster, you know, and then, you know, the deploy is not the thing that people line up on. They And they can release their code at the same time. It's just getting the code out there, you know? And so it reminded me of rollout, but I was like, oh, it's tied to Redis. I don't want, I don't want to. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm just going to, and I didn't really like some of the, the API of it. I, I'm just a big aesthetic nut and I don't know, maybe, probably just personal preference, but I felt like the, there was a better API to be had. I remember I was talking with Adam Keys a lot at the time at a conference and we were like, we should build it. And so like he kind of built a version and um, and then I kind of built a version and then I got that awesome name of Flipper and it reminded me of like, I think there was like Flipper, a, a dolphin. And so then I was like, dolphins are happy. And I, you know, Googled and found ASCII art. This one I actually named kind of before I wrote it, which is usually it's like the name comes at the end when I'm like, oh, I got to release it. So it's got to have a name. But this one I was like, this is so good that I have to build the code because like Flipper as like a gem name and then like the dolphin, they, they deserve a code base behind it. So, um, so uh, kind of just hacked on it over the weekend, even like I probably could have worked on it at GitHub and everyone would have been fine with that. Um, I think at that time we were still like, you know, work on whatever makes you happy and stuff. So, but for some reason I, I just hacked on it on the weekend. I don't remember why. And I really liked it and I, I built it, uh, kind of from, you know, I built it from scratch and put in all the ideas that I had and, and built on the adapter pattern and all this kind of stuff. And I thought it was really cool. So I released it, but like GitHub uh, didn't end up using it probably for, I want to say like another three years. Uh, like we just kind of kept doing what we were doing and I never really like pushed, I didn't want to force my own code into the code base just because like, well, I wrote it. Um, and then I went on paternity leave and when I went on paternity leave, like uh, two of the other guys uh, just like, were like, we're gonna do this and, and we're gonna make it happen. So they just like took it and like got it all uh, wrapped in with like our, our own adapters so that we could have, basically have like, you know, Memcache and MySQL and all that kind of stuff. Uh, wrapper, they're kind of like 
almost like composition. So you have like your source of truth, which is like my sequel, and then you have like a cash wrapper around it and, and stuff like that. And that just kind of like lit up releasing things. It just made it so much easier for things like, I remember I've got screenshots somewhere, I don't remember where they are anymore, of like releasing like eight features at uh, Universe. And I wrote none of the features. I didn't even, I was not even involved at all in any way. But like, I just remember in chat, it was like, enable, 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 enable from like eight different developers all at once. And like defunct, uh, you know, Chris Wanstraus said something on stage and like all the enablements went in and then bam, the features were everywhere like the next second. And it was just like, it was really cool to see because it was just like something I just hacked together for fun. And then like, you know, two teammates put it in just because they were like, well, we might as well because he works here. And so we can ask him questions versus, you know, somebody else where you couldn't ask questions. So that's, that's kind of the story. I feel like I wrote it just because I thought it was cool and it should be out there and adapter felt like the right way to do it because then, you know, not everybody has shared infrastructure. You have different things. And so it just makes sense to me. Like if you want to use console and write a, a file on disk and have your features load from that, then that's fine. If you want to have them be in Redis, that's fine. If you want to do MySQL, if you want to front that with Memcache, if you want to do whatever you want to do. And I think that's just like, that felt powerful. It felt helpful. And, um, I just, from words of friends and then from GitHub, I just saw how big of a difference it can make for for teams and for companies to be able to have the deploy not be the blocker to get things out, to be able to get things out in production like right away and then release them whenever they have time. It just, I just feel like issues crop up faster and more isolated and, and that's a good thing. And so then you can like get them fixed a lot more easily and you're not scrambling and turning things off is just disabling versus a whole another deploy where you have to go out to like thousands of servers and it takes 10 minutes. I love the pattern, like the BOA pattern of bring your own adapter, because when we were considering implementing Flipper, we already use so many different services. We have so many different data stores. And so the ability for us to look at our data stores, see what we feel could handle our feature flags and be able to pick that was really great. And then I also agree with you as well. I think feature flagging is just at the beginnings of getting really popular. I mean, it's been around for quite some time, but I feel like it's a pattern that a lot of people are getting into, especially with this whole idea of continuous deployment. So you don't have to worry about when your feature's in queue. You only have to worry about when you're gonna enable it. So I think it's fantastic. So overall, how's the community been with your open source libraries? Um, any tips that you'd like to share with the audience? I was not going to say that's a great question, but I keep thinking that's a great question. So um, I would say I've kind of been on the mountaintops and in the valleys and, you know, I guess back in the plains. So like I started off and I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Open source is amazing. I can just like share gems and people can use my code and that's so cool. And then I had, I don't know, HTTP party and some other ones I can remember now, Twitter gems, stuff like that, that got popular. And it's like overwhelming. And this is pre-GitHub. Uh, I mean, I ran my own SVN server on like dreamhost.com and stuff like that to share stuff for a while. And uh, I just, I, you know, people for a while, there was there was this just large sense of entitlement and things like that that like they just expected like, well, this is wrong, like just fix it or I, I need this one thing, can't you just add it? And I'm like, well, I'm doing this for fun, like, and I don't need that. And so, and then I, I just feel like there was a lot of friction. And so it was kind of rough for a while. And I kind of, uh, I went the opposite way. And so I was like, instead of trying to like, 
you know, really push my stuff and get it to be popular, I'm just going to like, you know, write the code and enjoy it and like not, and it's just going to be me, like not going to bring anybody else. I'm going to like anything I don't want to support. I'm just going to like close the PR and and explain that, or maybe even not. I don't know. I I probably was not a very good maintainer during that period because I was really just burned out. And then I think I, I don't know what really brought me back around, probably Flipper because I just really enjoyed it. And I felt like there was a lot of really positive uh, feedback, but it was a like this almost like a smaller tribe. So rather than like this, you know, immensely popular gets used a bunch thing and like from all the way from new to like to like experienced and stuff like that spectrum, because uh, like they have different needs. New people who are new have different needs than people who are experienced. And so I just kind of naturally, because Flipper is something you generally only need at a certain experience point where you need to like, you're talking about need to shut things off um, live or you need to roll things out slowly or where you need control and stuff like that. And that's not generally like a new a new thing. That's like a, a more experienced thing. And so I think that kind of brought me back again. And on this one, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna try this, this new thing that I've never done. I'm like, if somebody, I heard a lot of people talk about, it, I'm like, if somebody does like one or two like really good PRs, um, and maybe it's something that like I don't want to support. I'm just going to ask if they will support it and add them to the gem, add them to the GitHub repo, and and just like li- list them in the you know in the docs as like if you have questions about this, like you can ask me, but I may or may not know. But you can also ask this other person who like added it. And so kind of just like I guess more building like a team rather than just being me. And it's went really well. I have I had people contribute you know, uh, like rewrites of the UI to use new versions of Bootstrap and stuff like that. Um, I've had people contribute Docker stuff, which I mean, I feel like I should know Docker and I should like Docker, Dockerize things and I just never have. Um, And so there's somebody who kind of like keeps track of that for Flipper and there's uh, people who like, oh, the API, like the Flipper API is like this amazing uh, Alex Wheeler. He like I had written down and I was like, you know, what if I just put ideas out there too? So like I wasn't just doing all the work even myself and then just pulling in PRs as people had needs. But like, what if I was like, here are things that I'd like to do, but I haven't done yet. Um, and I had never done that before either. Kind of almost like a, not a roadmap, but kind of. And one of the issues I had was like an API because I feel like it'd be really cool to have like this HTTP API that other languages can talk to. So you could have Flipper and Go, you could have Flipper and all these other things and just have this common transport of HTTP or whatever. And so I put an idea out and an issue and then Alex Wheeler just like picked it up and started working on it. And I was like, you know, I'd maybe tweak these things, but this is cool. And like, he just built out like the whole thing. And then that, and I feel like that kind of is really what gave me the idea for Flipper Cloud was like, well, what if, like, if people want the API, maybe they want it like hosted and not to have to think about any of it. And they just want the API to be there and audit logging and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so like most of Flipper Cloud's stuff even uses that API, like it just mounts it in the Rails app and then adds a bunch of org project, you know, feature stuff around it. Um, and then uses a custom adapter to make stuff happen. And, and I think so Flipper was really just like a different approach where I was like, I'm just going to be intentional about trying to get other people involved so that because like with HTTP Party, I burned out. I think I, I gave it away to um, Sandro. Um, for a while and he did a great job with it and then he was kind of done with it so I took it back and then uh, there's some uh, the Smartnik uh, at the Smartnik on GitHub now he's been mostly been kind of maintaining it and doing an awesome job and I just try and help out when I can and 
that was kind of like burnout, completely stop, you know, come back, completely stop. It's just this kind of like oscillation that didn't just didn't feel right. So with Flipper, I was like, I'm gonna try and get other people involved just to see if I can. And I just feel like there's been a lot of uh, really good, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm kind of chatty, but that's the long way of saying, I think the community has, has enjoyed it and responded well. Um, and I think a lot of that is because of me kind of, I guess, maturing as like a, a gem owner and not trying to be a dictator. And like, I remember with Mongo Mapper, I was like, I'm not writing documentation. Documentation is stupid. Just look at the code. <laughs> and like, you know, that's just, that's a dictator thing to do. That's not like a good thing to do. Um, cause some people prefer documentation. They prefer to look at something that's written and, and in prose before they just dive into code and try and figure out, you know, where things are and stuff like that. So um, I think that's that's kind of the progression is from like kind of burning out to like coming back around. And now really, I really enjoy it. And I just, I always look at it as like, if somebody's not happy with something, that's fine. They, they can, you know, fix it themselves or fork it or like, and I try to try to communicate like what I will pull or what I, if I won't pull something in, like why I won't. Um, and anything that people put in that I don't want to, but I do think would be good. I just try and put them on the hook for helping with it. And Alex has been all, I mean, he's responded to a ton of flipper stuff. Um, not even just API things, but like, and he has such a better like support and response voice than myself and, and other people the same, uh, uh, with, you know, the flipper UI and with Docker and stuff like that. So I guess that's kind of the long, the long story of the progression of like really thinking it was amazing. And then, being like this is overwhelming and now I'm just gonna do it and if people enjoy it fine but if they don't I don't care and now kind of coming back around to like a new style and trying to bring people in and like that there is some really great solid advice in there not only for open source owners but I think users as well so John how can listeners follow you and support your work uh I mean I'm not the greatest at tweeting anymore even though I'm like user 4000 or something like that. Uh, but Jay Nunemaker on uh, Twitter or GitHub. Um, I love Instagram. I don't post anything code there, but if you want to support my pictures of my adorable kids or things like that, um, also add Jay Nunemaker there too. I wanted to personally thank you for creating some very well-loved libraries in the Ruby community. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me.